0: Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe.
1: And it is the Advertising Show, Ray Shillins, Brad Forsythe, being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midget production, which is now a world-famous uh, operation, um, made uh, forth by the the coming of the Internet, Brad, right now. Yeah. we got David Sable with us tonight. David is the chief operating officer for Wonderman. Uh, 30 years in marketing communications, has a funny New York accent, but we won't hold that against him. Well, has a flair for developing unique business, building award-winning communications programs for clients uh, all over the world, which is a, a good dovetail for what we do here on The Advertising Show. We've got uh, this hour, Joe Jaffe, a different perspective, and he's going to talk about the consumer-generated content that the uh, the folks at American Express are doing. And he's, uh, while he trashed the General Motors stuff, he's saying that uh, American Express is doing a good job. Uh, Patrick Meyer, next hour, Marketing Insider, what to do when the CEO hates it. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, Jeffrey Yetimer, say something good. That's always nice. He was probably taught that by his parents. Andy Borowitz. Uh, basically, what the the administration has done, Brad, is successfully confuse the immigrants so they oh. don't know whether they're going to be accepted with open arms or be shot. And uh, President Bush believes this is a good thing. That's Andy Borowitz's take. Wacky world of marketing. There's a new perfume out, and you probably uh, uh, played with this stuff when you were a kid. Uh, it's uh, called Play-Doh, and nope. uh, Bruce has that for us as well. Good advertising. The advertising showcase is on the way. In a little while, what have I forgotten here? Let's I see. think you get got it all. Okay, good. Did you work? take the trash out? I did. Good. Okay. Well, we're good to go then. I like that. Yeah. What's going By on? By the way, here? what's
2: what's Jaffe's deal? Is he trying to get into Bob Garfield's world with the uh, you know ad critiques now? He's a Bob wannabe. I guess. Yeah. Well, he needs to get a little more angry if he's going to do that.
1: Well, he'll never do that though. He's, that's what? just not his nature. <laughs> can't you, you see? Know, uh, can't you see Joe angry? I'm angry. <laughs>
2: We never know if Joe – Joe may be angry, we just don't know. You know, new business tip of the week from the advertising show, Los Angeles Online Travel Service Expedia.com announced just this past week, Ray, that it's going to place its ad account in review, the Seattle-based client which spent $170 million in domestic-measured media last year, uh, has uh, used uh, Interpublic Group's uh, Deutsch LA, uh, Marino del Rey, for creative and media chores. Uh, Deutsch, by the way, Ray, this is kind of interesting but not unusual. Deutsch, which has handled Expedia since the client's inception seven years ago, said, it will not defend. That's code for you pissed me off.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Well, you know, say, well, they've had that problem with other accounts before, though.
3: As well, well, I don't know.
2: The more recent, more more visible uh, version of that, I guess, was uh, Fallon with uh, BMW. Exactly, yeah. Which had done a great job for BMW. And uh, now, uh, who is it? It's uh, gsd Austin, handling uh, BMW. And gsd and just lost uh, a
1: biggie as well, as I recall. Uh, at least it was up for review,
2: well, you know what they say uh, about the ad business, while you're thinking no. of who that is? Yeah,
1: I, don't, I can't recall, actually.
2: Stay in business long enough, you'll lose a few, you'll win a few. And sometimes you'll get them back and lose them again. Well, that's true. And <laughs> hopefully when, they, uh, when a uh, CMO gets fired, you make sure and have a party for him and cry and buy him lots of drinks, because yes, that could be you know. a new business opportunity to you, depending <laughs> exactly. on where he lands or she lands.
1: Well, talk about somebody crying, uh, not related to the ad community, but to... Public, uh, well, public awareness, Paul McCartney split this week. Uh, yeah. No prenuptial agreement. He just oh. lost about, so I don't know, 400 million bucks. So write the check, Paul. He's only worth about $1.7 So it's down a little bit now. That's well, fine. you know, that'll buy you a few new
2: prostheses. Very good. Wow.
1: Thank you. Must hey. have been doing your uh, tongue uh, rehearsal prior to today's show.
2: <laughs> well, right. uh, no, actually, it was a couple extra glasses of wine last night that helped out. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, uh,
1: before Before you yes. do that, let's get yes. into uh, let's get into our future. i want to make sure we have plenty of time for Joe to. Well, kind of, you know how he does. He rambles on about stuff, and yes. sometimes we got to use the old hook. Let's listen. If
4: you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view. Join us now for a different perspective, featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe.
5: In previous weeks, I spoke about the Chevy Tahoe consumer-generated content exercise and really critiqued it and criticized it for a number of bad mistakes that they made. Well, I think the good news is that American Express proved to us all that one's bitten should not necessarily be twice shy. And they came up with a really what I thought was a great consumer-generated content campaign that really leverages, extends, and even enhances their My Life, My Card central positioning and campaign that has really been built using, ironically, traditional advertising. In short, American Express asked consumers to put together 15-second vignettes of essentially what My Life, My Card means to them. And the result has been a number of really authentic and credible and very warm vignettes that consumers have put together. And I think the beautiful thing about this is when you turn the tables, when you allow a consumer to interpret or express or internalize what your positioning essentially means, it can never be wrong. Consumers are always right. And when they express themselves without too much constraints and control... The result is something that I would like to call reality advertising, and it demonstrates that consumer-generated content not only can be done right, but when it's done right, can really take a brand to another level completely. This has
4: been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe, LLC and author of Life After the 32nd Spot.
6: You know,
1: uh, Joe is talking about that as if it is a new thing, so to speak, mm-hmm. but,
4: it re- but it really
1: isn't. I mean, no. the consumer-generated content has been around for years, mm-hmm. folks, and it is a good way to, to do stuff. So, uh, you know, I agree with him that way. And yeah, that's always good. But it's good stuff from Joe Jaffe, uh, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth on the advertising show. David Sable uh, is in the Bronx tonight. The Bronx. Vice Chairman and Chief Operating Officer of Wonderman. And uh, we'll be talking with uh, David here in just a few minutes. And we'll have him not only for this hour, but for next hour on the Advertising Show. You started to talk about something about the American Advertising Federation.
2: Yeah, what is that uh, news brief uh, AAF puts out? AAF Smart Brief, and it's a daily thing.
1: You can sign up for it. It's free. Yeah,
2: it's Great well done. Ones.
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, what is it,
2: is it AAF.org? Yeah, I believe it is. And uh, I'll check it. No, I'm pretty right. sure it is. Uh, I was there today and clicked on to their uh, national conference uh, just to see what they had going, which is coming up next month. Uh, right, right. And, and they had a link to last year's national conference where you and I were the MC of the National Addy Awards. Right, right. And when you click on uh, uh, to the last year's highlights, you've got uh, opportunities to see pictures of last year's event. They cover, like, the golf invitation that they had, the honky-tonk that they did in Nashville and some of the uh, other events. But when it comes to the the award dinner, peculiarly, we were missing. There were no photos of you and Mary Hilton arm-in-arm, none of that stuff. I see. Okay, and I don't know. I you mean don't There know was why.
1: behind the podium. There is that what you're
2: saying? No, we no. I'm just saying that in they the didn't. They didn't have any pictures okay. of it. Period. So, you know, they're still talking about your and my appearance there. You know, right,
1: right. And we appreciate that. <laughs> PR isn't it? <laughs> it was for? fun. No, it, it really was, fun. was a lot of fun. They did yeah. a great job with it as well. And uh, we've got. Uh, we'll talk to David Sable, and he'll actually talk back to us here in just a few moments on the uh, advertising show. David is vice chairman. And chief operating officer at Wonderland, an incredible company. And uh, David just back from uh, Paris about a week ago, so maybe uh, David has some good stories to tell about that as well, or well, maybe he brought us back a good bottle of wine. Oh, test me that mentality, I forgot. We got more on the advertising show with Ray Shulman and Brad Forsyth in just a moment.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
3: I'm Ewell Gibbons. Many consider me an expert on natural foods like cattails. Yes, they're edible. I look for natural ingredients in my food. That's why grape nuts is part of my... The
1: Advertising Show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Welcome back. We've got a special guest here. If I read all of David Sable's bio, we'll be out of time. The first segment's only about Hmm. seven minutes here. With more than 30 years in marketing communications, David is a flair for developing unique business building, award-winning communications programs for clients all over the world. He's uh, joined Wonderman in 2000. He's touched uh, nearly every part of their business with enormous success. He was named vice chairman in 03, chairman of CEO and CEO of the uh, Europe and Middle East, Africa. He created Unity with a diverse European operation. That's got to be a tough job. also served as a strategic counselor to our key global accounts, including uh, on key global accounts, IBM, AT&T, Citibank, and Kraft, and those are just like, you know, little names, basically. So All right. Hey, uh, good success to you, David, and uh, although you're not the marketing person for New York yet, uh, replacing Joe Perillo, who quit last week on the show, uh, we welcome you to the advertising show. Nice to be here.
6: Thank you. And uh, Guys, at Wonderland, I promise not to quit on the show tonight, so...
2: Yeah, please. Well, oh, that's do that. good. Tomorrow. Well, you, you haven't been there long enough that's yet to funny. quit. Yeah, in January of this year, you switched from being the uh, president and CEO of Wonderman's Europe, Middle East, and Africa regions, as Ray just mentioned, after being uh, CEO for those regions for over three years, and now becoming worldwide chief operating officer for Wonderman. I'm curious, David, uh, what sparked the move for you? Did you threaten to quit or something? How, how'd you get this new gig? <laughs> I
6: think it was my family.
2: Oh, your family they, threatened they, to quit. My family.
6: They demanded. They demanded I come back to New York. Ah, uh, yeah.
2: So, well, that's not a bad, uh, bad demand to make,
3: huh?
6: No, not at all. But it was a, it was a great gig, um, I must say. And, you know, I, I spent the, the better part of my career working on international business at uh, Burson, Moss, Teller, and Young and Rubicam. But I have to tell you, when you live in the region, it's just so much different. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, get a, you get a jaded view on international business when you hop from hotel to hotel. But when you're actually living in the region it just absolutely changes your perspective. That makes a lot of sense.
2: So when you were CEO of those regions, where were you based out of?
6: I was based in London. Yeah. Uh, spent but spent the better part of my week going in market. And as I said, I think I think even even though you go in market and obviously you come back to, to your home, but the fact that you're living in the region just it, it changes the perspective. You know, in our business, I think that one of the differences of the Wonderman business versus the pure advertising side We have a One of our mantras is All relationships are local And one of the things That, that we believe Is that with advertising It's fairly It's it's, all, it's understandable And it's understood That you can create Global image mm-hmm. So I can take Citibank And I create A global image for Citibank And wherever you get Off a plane in the world You know you're looking At Citibank advertising mm. But what it takes To sell a credit card Is way different Country to country Right, So what gets you to buy a credit card in Germany is way different than what motivates you in the U.K., which is way different than what turns you on in Singapore. So just being able to understand is just an amazing thing.
2: Yeah, and we had the CMO of uh, Visa Ray on a month mm-hmm. or so ago, and she, of course, she was a CMO USA, but did have some uh, interesting thoughts to share along the lines of what you're just talking about, David. And I'm curious as you as you describe your more global view, and now being COO of uh, uh, Wonderman Worldwide, uh, does this indicate a shift in corporate strategy for Wonderman, putting you in as a COO?
6: I don't think so. I mean, th- no? the truth of the matter is, it's a great you know it's a great title, but truth is my focus hasn't changed all that much except that I've sort of elevated it to a global level um, I think that for the past five or six years I've had the opportunity to work with our chairman Daniel Morrell and the rest of our team and work on global business work on, on regional business and work on local business and this sort of a uh, a huge opportunity for me to continue to do that. So
2: yeah, let, let's uh, real quickly lay some uh, groundwork here. I think most of our listeners may realize that Wonderman's a part of the YNR uh, uh, company and a, certainly the WPP group. Explain uh, how your relationship with the YNR works, David.
6: We are. The, the relationship goes back many, many years, when actually the then chairman of the company, Ed Nay, came up with this idea of the whole egg, which some of you might remember. And the truth is, he was a visionary. And he understood that ultimately clients would be looking for solutions to marketing problems and that the, the, the notion of channel or discipline would be less important than being able to solve the problems they had in reaching and touching their consumers. And since that time, the, the Wonderman and Winar businesses have been very interconnected. Um, I think we have, a, we have a, a saying in the company, best alone, better together. So there are accounts where we work on, on actually competitive business, and there are accounts we work on together. Hmm. Um, we believe that when we do work together, it creates a, a unique value proposition for our clients. But when we work alone, we believe that we give them the best value each alone in, in those disciplines.
2: And the year that uh, you're referring to with uh, Edna
6: Goes back to the 70s.
2: Yeah. Which, when you think about it, is really forward thinking with regard it's a world to. Uh, like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely! Yeah.
6: And you know that it, also at the time, um, Edna also bought Burson-Marsteller, which right. I had the opportunity and the, the privilege of working for. We bought Landor, in so we had public relations. We had Landor in corporate design. We had Wonderman in uh, relationship marketing, Cato Johnson in uh, promotions. So when, when again, he had this vision. Already back then, Sutherland and Hennessy in healthcare, he had the vision back then of, of the ability to be able to serve a client, our client, in unique ways to help them with their customers and, and be able to touch all touch points.
2: Yeah, does Wonderman ever work with other WPP owned agencies?
6: We work with other WPP agencies and we work with outside agencies. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the one of the unique aspects of our business is that we have to be ready to work with any of our clients' resources. In fact, we're finding more and more over the past few years that in the RFPs that we see, there's typically a question of how well do you work with others, mm-hmm. meaning would we work with companies outside of our outside of our range? So, for example, on Citibank, we work very closely with Fallon.
2: That's and interesting.
6: So, And, and it's really? important for us because, and, and I think the clients expect that today. Clients want to work with people that they consider best in class. Mm-hmm. And people that they think can do the best job for that particular for that particular uh, situation and solution, and so we find ourselves very often working with a myriad of of other companies. Again, inside YNR, outside Y&R, in WPP, and outside the group altogether.
2: So no uh, no hesitancy on other uh, large holding company owned agencies and working with a WPP owned company like Wonderman.
6: No, not for us. I mean, look, yeah. we, we share Microsoft with McCann. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the one of the one of the reasons for our success the past few years has been our ability to work in an absolutely non-threatening way. We're not we're not interested in being competitive with the agencies that, that we partner with. The so client that, is the focus, and the client's customer is the key.
1: Yeah, that that way you can do nothing but focus on the client. You don't have to worry about that. Absolutely.
6: Yeah
2: so uh any any you know I think a lot of our listeners would be interested in how the uh, strategy works when working using y as the example any uh, how does all this roll out Does y take the lead in, in uh, campaign strategy and development and then Wonderman come in behind you do it collectively you collaborate how, how does that work
6: I think it depends you know typically if you start together on a client i think it all depends at what stage you come in I think if you start together on a new client whether it's yr or anyone else the ability to create the, the, the central the central theme of the campaign, the central strategy is often a shared task. Um, and then from that shared task comes the advertising strategy and tactics, the relationship marketing strategy and tactics, the media channels, whatever whatever else comes. Very often though, we come into the situation after an advertising agency has been in place for a while. And so then our challenge is how do you take an existing strategy, which which by the way is, is, is much more difficult, how do you take an existing strategy and an existing creative execution mm-hmm. and that is typically advertising focused, i.e. meaning that it's perceptual, and turn it into very motivating and very business building in terms of... We need immediate results. We need people to come to a seminar. We need to sell another 25,000 boxes of software. We need to register another million users. We need to sell another 200,000 credit cards. So how do you how do you turn how do you take the strategy and turn it into into that kind of immediacy and then be able to build and sustain business as well as often cross-sell and upsell.
1: We've got to, Hey, David, we've got to take a break here on the advertising show. Our uh, special guest, David Sable, vice chairman and chief operating officer at Wonder out of New York City this weekend with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And
0: we'll be back with more, of David, in just a minute. And now it's time for the wacky world of marketing. Wacky world of marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott.
4: Our wacky update heads to Pawtucket, Rhode Island, where AP says it's one of the most unique smells around. And now you can wear it. Hasbro is continuing its celebration of Play-Doh's 50th anniversary by releasing Eau de Play-Doh, a perfume designed to smell just like the kids' modeling clay. Spokesperson Gary Serby says Play-Doh's smell is one of the most endearing memories, and Hasbro figures smelling the perfume will transport people back to their childhood. And oh yeah, it sells for $19 a bottle. And that, my friends, is the Wacky World of Marketing.
0: This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and, unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show.
3: juicy. Hey, how about a nice Hawaiian punch? Sure. You taste seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Hawaiian punch is made with seven kinds of fruit. This is the Advertising
1: Show. Yeah, we are never thirsty here. We've got plenty of Hawaiian punch for our guest, uh, David Sable, Vice Chairman, Chief Operating Officer at Wonderman out of... uh, out of New York this weekend we've got David for this hour as well as next hour as well so that's that's cool welcome back to the show David good to have you here
3: thank you great to be
2: here. yeah and uh it, you know you're gonna have to get a little more laid back and easy going we don't like it when you're you know all over us like this David but uh I gotta tell you if I needed a new agency I think I'd hire David he, mm-hmm. he kind of matches up well with our uh you know point of view as well as our you know, the speed of liking the more relaxed atmosphere, don't you think? It kind of
1: reminds me of Jeff Stein, uh, a friend
2: of ours there. Yeah,
1: got that, got that accent. No, well, not he's now—is
2: he now on the work release program, or is he still uh, <laughs> no, in got, the big house? Got I think the that's the first
1: I first met him. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know Jeff Stein? Those no, those funky you don't. Tattoos, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, we're,
2: uh, well, let's jump back into it here, David. According to uh, the Wonderman website, uh, Wonderman is one of the uh, among one of the largest uh, advertising agencies devoted to marketers' emerging need to build customer equity. I'm curious, how often do you find that uh, uh, there's a need on your part or your your staff's part to educate the importance of building customer equity with pers- prospective cl- uh, clients that you may be meeting with?
6: I think it's, I think everybody gets the notion of building customer equity. I think the question is, how do you do it? And I think clients are more and more understanding that you can actually build customer equity while you while you build your customer base and make sales. You know, it used to be that we thought that you could only build equity in products and equity through your customers by perceptual means. And I think that the, the big switch is that people are beginning to understand that brand equity and customer equity go hand in hand. Right. And so... We do find that it's growing. We find that people are way more interested than they were ten years ago. You know, we don't use the word direct anymore. I think you know, ten years ago, people would only call, talk about what we did and say it's direct to us. Direct is you know, you want to buy a, a, a an exercise machine. I'm happy to sell it to you. Give me a call, and I'll have it delivered in five <laughs> easy payments. There. Yeah. That to us is direct marketing. What we do is relationship marketing, dialogue marketing. It's data-based marketing. It's being able to it's being able to talk to you, to give you the kind of information that you need, to give you depth, to give you reasons to connect with the brand. It's not necessarily about brand loyalty, by the way. Now, Lester Wonderman, who is, uh, thank God, 85 years old, comes to work every single day. Hmm. And it's an amazing man. travels all over the world. for cycles. just in Prague, I uh, talked to a, a group of young high-techers who gave him a standing ovation. They said they never heard anybody who knew as much about the Internet as he did. But Lester, Lester always said that, you know, what's what's brand loyalty? That, you, know, you can be loyal to your family, to your friends, to your country, but who's going to shoot themselves in the head for a tube of toothpaste? Yeah. So the real trick is how do I get you to believe that, that the product or the service that I'm selling you, that I want you to buy, is the best for you, is going to give you the best return, is going to be the, 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 the thing that adds the most value to your life? And that's really know, my I- job.
2: I think most of our listeners understand brand uh, equity, but just for uh, purposes here, since we have you, uh, define for us your take on customer equity.
6: So, brand, customer equity is the equity that your customer has in your brand and your company. So, how how much how, how involved are they? How where do they really feel? I'll give you a great example. If you look at if you look at the at the credit card business, for example, so you have credit cards. Where there really is no equity, right? People just use them. They get them in the mail. They take the cheapest. They take the cheapest interest rate. Yeah. They use them, put them back in. They take any card out that they want. Right? There's no. They have. There's no real customer equity. They don't. They don't feel anything for it. They you have the cards that give you back some money or that have some kind of scheme or that give you back whatever. And guess what? Those cards are the kind that you feel a little better about. You probably think about how you use them the best because you just have just a little bit more. Equity, but then you have the card that you really believe in. And interestingly enough, cards like American Express score very, very high on that. And you think about it. So here's the card that not only do you have to pay for it, you pay the whole bill every month, and yet the equity that people have in that card is huge. Mm-hmm. So we just see that it, it, it's this notion of how much of yourself are you ready to put in the product? How what is it? What is it really? How much are you ready to invest in it? How often are you ready to use it, buy it, pass it on, tell someone else about it?
2: So it would be, you know, I guess a good a good thing for a a C level executive to uh, evaluate their own customer base is to ask yourself: Is your customer invested in your product or service? And and, uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned Lester Wonderman, a founder of Wonderman, and also uh, a gentleman known for coining the phrase direct marketing, uh, even though it's an outdated term today, but to give some credibility here to the gentleman, uh, my goodness, uh, for someone that uh, actually attributed to coining that term. I'm curious, uh, in your opinion, yeah, in, in about a minute or less, uh, in your opinion, what's the biggest weakness that you see in, uh, you know, what, what's the term we want to use, relationship marketing today in lieu of direct marketing?
6: Yeah, I think, I think that relationship marketing is probably good. Lester calls it, by the way, today, instead of direct marketing, personal advertising.
2: No. And that's that's well said. What do you think one of the biggest weaknesses is today with relationship marketing? I
6: think the biggest weakness is that people have, because, because people are first getting their feet wet with it, they believe that it's all about the database. So I think, I think one of the things that happened is technology hurt us. Because of CRM, customer relationship marketing, people believe that if I had a database and I had some software program, I could be hugely successful. Mm-hmm. What they neglected to understand is that data is just historical transaction records. If I don't have insight, if I don't understand why you bought, what motivates you to buy, why did you choose my product or not choose it, or why did you decide to go into the store or pass the store by, then all the, all the data in the world wasn't going to help you. And okay. you find that they, they, they tend to use data instead of using insight. You need to use both.
1: It's David Sable, our special guest on the Advertising Show, Vice Chairman, Chief Operating Officer Wonderman, and we've got more with David next hour on the Advertising Show.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
3: Poor woman here? Never. A woman's world has really grown. Most places now she calls around. Gentlemen, prefer Hanes. Yes,
1: they do. And now Haynes are good on guys and girls, too. I'm not talking stockings, okay? <laughs> Uh, it's Ray Shillings, Brad yeah. Forsyth on The Advertising Show, and our special guest, uh, David Sable, will be back with us next hour. David is COO of uh, Wonderman, and um, a g-
2: good conversation, too. We're going
1: yeah. we're, we're to pick up on some of the stuff he's talking about this hour and carry it through. Is that right, Brad?
2: Well, actually, I'd like to jump into a little more uh, deeper commentary. I think it was good to lay some general commentary out for those that aren't familiar with relational a relationship marketing and, uh, and it's, uh, you know, not as well known of a subject as general marketing and branding and advertising. Right. So I'd like to get into a little more detail and maybe, uh, uh you know, get into David's head. How often we get uh, a COO of a major company like Wonderman on? So we'll, we'll get a little more uh, in-depth stuff going with him.
3: Yeah. And,
2: uh, by the way, uh, yeah. you triggered a thought there and, um, hmm. oh yeah, I wonder how many bank robbers prefer Haynes. <laughs> I wonder if they've ever done any research on uh, They go to that.
1: Walmart and get the cheap ones. That's, That's true. true. Uh, this is funny. Um, here is a brand competing for young adults, and the winner has a name called Axe, and the loser oh, yeah. is called Old Spice. Right. Okay. How much sense does that make? Axe is uh, it's a four-year-old new deodorant brand uh, vying with Procter & Gamble's Old Spice to, to top the $2.4 billion category. Uh, An orthodox strategy? I don't think so. Good name. Mindshare, edgy uh, advertising, the integration of online content with traditional media and the savvy pitching of the product in line with PlayStation and Nike instead of other personal hygiene products. You would think that Axe probably had no trouble doing that, and that's the headline. It says, Axe barely breaks a sweat as it takes over the category. Uh, Who could have figured
2: well, you know, I, first, I read that as well, Ray, and I was surprised. I guess I'm out of touch with the deodorant world, but, uh, you know, you and I have made light of, uh, Old Spice, and, uh, I had no idea Old Spice owned that particular category. That was the first surprise, I and didn't I either. was, I was familiar with Axe, and I know they've done a lot of innovative, innovative, uh, marketing in order to, uh, get where they are today, but my goodness, to overtake the number one, uh, product in the deodorant category, which is a very crowded it's category huge. to, yeah. That's quite a uh, quite a uh, an accomplishment. I can't remember does it like say that. who the agency is was it Deutsch?
3: Mm,
1: let's take a look here. Um, it's uh, Bartle Bogle uh, Hagerty, and uh, WPP yeah. group's uh, mindshare. Yeah. Basically so.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, it's uh, you know, hats off to them or armpits or something.
1: <laughs> without breaking a sweat, what a way! To uh, without
2: breaking a sweat, yeah. hey, you know, Ray, uh, baby boomer generation, it's all getting older. We know that. Sure. If you're not getting older, you and mean? you're, <laughs> if you're not getting older and you're baby boomer, you're not hearing this. Uh, in any event, uh, it, it's bringing uh, a considerable influence along with the aging of the baby boomer generation. And case in point, Ray, the launching recently of hearing aids for the young at heart from a website. What? <laughs> From a website called MyHearPod.com, the first hearing aid solutions uh, website for baby boomers. The uh, initial offering from its new line is called Discreetly Nude for the Elegantly Reserved Boomer. These are hearing aids Mm -hmm. now. And to give you an idea of some of the colors, uh, future colors that will be coming out from the company include Negligé Black, Power Gold, that in your ear, and Sexy Silver. So you know, I guess
1: those colors. (laughs) If you're, yeah,
2: if you're a, if you're a company and you're, you know, and you've catered to the, uh, you know, the gray market, and now that the aging baby boomer is doing just that, aging, uh, I guess you have to think in terms of maybe remarketing and and rebranding and re packaging and. Uh, some of the products that you were once uh, selling to just the uh, the older crowd, so to speak, because yeah, the right. baby boomer has a little bit different taste about uh, these kind of things. How weird! So I guess you know how long how long before Depends will come out in both Madras and uh, tie dyed?
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. How about a, how about a Depends thong? <laughs> I'm
2: wearing one now. I didn't know you could see the lines.
1: No, 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 you can't. That's the point. That's true. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, You know, if I needed a hearing aid, I wouldn't be worried about the doggone color. I'd want to be able to hear...
2: Um, well, I think the whole deal is, you know, I think you're too practical and that the baby boomer probably doesn't want to accept the fact that they need a hearing aid. Right, so if they right, can right. be colorful about it or fashionable, uh, then that's what they're doing, I suppose. Okay, you know? Yeah,
1: maybe I'm thinking of the older demographic or something, you know, somebody in the 70s or, or somebody, because you know, hearing aids really, for the most part, don't work uh, for right. people. So I suppose if they don't work, they ought to at least look good. Well, that uh, makes a lot of sense. You uh, know, it's, that,
2: it's interesting you say it real quick. Uh, my father-in-law has a hearing aid, and they have remotes now where you can turn them up and turn them down. Very oh, expensive cool. version, but, wow. uh, hey, you get that mixed up with your TV remote. Your and garage your totally up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you're opening your doors and all kinds of stuff. It could be bad.
1: Advertising Showcase on the way here in just a couple of minutes on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And we hope you'll stay with us.
0: Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. There's nothing like the
3: face of a kid eating a Hershey bar.
1: Nothing like a Hershey bar to keep our energy up during this two hours. And our interview today with David Sable, who is COO, of uh, Wonderman on the advertising show with ray Shillens and brad forsyth we've got uh well every week what we do is we look at the upside the downside of advertising but there's a lot of material either way isn't there brad yeah and this week it's it's well it's really not so bad
0: and now it's time for the advertising show's advertising showcase an outstanding example of on-target advertising for the good stuff here's ray and brad
1: so what do we have today what is that
2: Well, uh, Ray from our friends at BBDO New York, and we do have friends there. Uh, I gotta tell you, they did an outstanding job. I think you've seen this spot, Ray. I I try to keep it uh, a secret before we talk about this to get a real world, a real live reaction from you. But if you have not seen the new Aquafina Toga commercial, it's a 60 second TV, as I said, out of a TV spot out of of BBDO New York for a client, uh, Pepsi but the uh, spot opens with an outside shot of the fraternity house with uh, college kids running around wearing togas and uh, Otis day and the nights singing their very popular the song the one
1: from the original
2: movie exactly yeah, right. shout is the song they're singing from the old animal house movie uh and you know rather than to go through all the details we know what a toga party is we know what a frat house is suffice to say oh, yeah. it was a wild party that's uh, happening within a within a uh, frat house environment Cleverly juxtaposed with the party are all these college kids drinking water, bottled water instead of <laughs> beer, of course. And in and one of the scenes, one of these, a couple of these party animals, are, actually have shot glasses on a table, they're and they're pouring so. <laughs> Aquafina uh, in each one of them. So you get the idea of how uh, you know the ruckus is going on at the Toga Party, right? Right. So uh, towards the end of the spot. Uh, Two cops pull up with their uh, lights blaring and the squad car and all that stuff, and they walk into the frat house, and the music, music goes silent, and the two officers go up to the two fraternity guys there that seem to be in charge. And uh, with two Aquafinas in their hands, the two fraternity guys say, officers, drink. And uh, the two mm-hmm. cops take the Aquafina the music uh, starts playing again, and we now see the cops dancing around with the college kids, and they're all back to partying and so forth. And then at the end of the spot, we have the voiceover, drinking water gives you more energy so you can have more fun, so make your body happy, drink more water, Aquafina. Right. And then it, it closes with their logo and so forth. But, you know, it, Ray, in a world, and in the world we live in today, where consumers control media, uh, they, they decide how much they're going to consume, where they're going to consume it. We have a multitude of media channels available for all of us consumers today, and add to this the great popularity of zapping and fast-forwarding through commercials and sure. just yeah. the overall complacency, I think, that most consumers have towards disruptive commercial messages. Uh, advertisers really need to do more today than ever to get the consumer's attention. And I think this uh, Aquafina effort from BBDO New York and is just an outstanding example of how to truly create breakthrough messaging with a really nice balance between entertainment and a compelling product message for the Aquafina brand. So, you know, I just want to say uh, congratulations certainly to Aquafina for their willingness to take a risk with an interesting idea, such as the Toga TV spot and BBDO for creating it. Mm-hmm. And as an aside, uh, just to let you know, uh, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of this spot. They, some, not a lot, but some have suggested. By whom, By whom? Well, said, people that I don't think know. I'm going to read one. Uh, so one guy says, uh, here's a commercial for Aquafina, uh, and the joke's pretty dumb, yet another fancy, high-priced, overproduced uh, TV spot to ensure nice, fat agency fees. Oh, silly, wait wait a minute. Uh, that's a good thing, of course, big, fat agency fees. Otherwise, how would we fund all those foosball tables and pool tables and client lunches and business cell phone uh, bills, et cetera, et cetera? Right. So, you know, I think uh, that's a, that's a little bit of a not only – a person writing about a commercial that doesn't really understand the process, but if Aquafina gets their message out, uh, which For I sure. think is simply you can have just as much fun partying, drinking healthy beverages like uh, bottled water, in this case, uh, Aquafina bottled water, uh, than you know drinking the alternative uh, booze or whatever. Then you know they've done they've done their job. So
1: <laughs> what's wrong with that? That's yeah, good.
2: It, yeah, wow. and so you know if you've seen the spot, Ray, uh, have you seen it? You know,
1: I am not, not sure that I have actually.
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm, I I got to tell you if you had you you would know it because yeah. it's not one of those that just casually passes by, but when you do see it and I'm sure you will, uh you'll see how that uh, BBDO does truly strike a great uh, balance between entertainment and sell message for good the for them. good for that. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations.
1: And and it's not like water is something brand new out there to get marketed. It's wonderful. It's incredible when you think about it how many people buy bottled water. Yeah. The market's huge. What did we? What did that gentleman say? That was uh, the what is it? Uh, Ten thousand different uh, uh, types of bottled different brand, water? Yeah, worldwide. Ten thousand, yeah. I think it was. Yeah.
5: yeah. And
1: apparently, the best bottled water comes from where's it at? It's uh, oh, I forget some place. Some place in Europe. It's supposedly prehistoric bottled oh. water.
2: Actually, uh, it was down in. Uh, you're reminding me when you say that. It's down in. Uh, Tanzania, Tanzania, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Which was off the coast of Africa there, and it has to do with the fact that it's near uh, Antarctica, and the winds come up o- off of pure, clean Antarctica and uh, dumps that type of rain.
1: 25,000-year-old uh, water you're drinking. Yeah. Can you believe that? You going to want to put an ice cube in there. No. Well, you
2: know, back when you and I were of uh, adolescent age, you just drank water out of the tap because there wasn't all this pollution issue and so forth. You but, drank uh, it, and it tastes good.
1: Yeah. Actually, from Cleveland, Ohio, the water had severe algae, but it had a really interesting taste, okay? <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm serious. And you know, it's colder up there, too. You know, uh, we're here in the whole market of Houston, but uh, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, not out of Lake Erie, at least, oh, I suppose it is, isn't it? Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, it's cold, and it tastes pretty good, actually. huh. Hey, we've got uh, David Sable with us, uh, back with us next hour here on the Advertising Show. And a whole bunch more as well. Uh, Patrick Meyer, Marketing Insider. We've got uh, Jeffrey Giddemer, Say Something Good About Somebody. And Annie Borowitz, too, about Confused Immigrants. The Advertising Show's website is a really cool vehicle. It's uh, it's uh, done by the web marketing company, company shipple.com. That's S-C-H-I-P-E-L.com. And it's a product called Tendency. If you found out about the Advertising Show, there's a good chance that you may have found that out through uh, tenancy. So thanks, Ed, for your uh, great work as well. So we'll be back with uh, more of the advertising show, which is brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Next hour here, you can visit them online at adage.com. Ray Sheldon's Brad Forsyth. This is a Big Radio Midgets
0: production. Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillens and Brad Forsythe. Back with
1: our number two of the Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising show of Big Radio Midgets production. This hour, we're back in conversation out of New York with David Sable, who was COO of Wonderman, a huge agency, and David now is in charge of the world, so that's good. We've got, um, <laughs> yeah, well, he says, he says he is, right? That's true. Uh, Patrick Meyer, the marketing insider, the CEO hates it. Oh, boy, we've never heard that before. No. Jeffrey Gittimer, say something good. Jeffrey, this is actually, these are features out of his brand new Little Red Book of Sales. And uh, some good stuff in there, too. Andy Borowitz, Confused Immigrants. They're just plain out confused. As we said before, last hour, they don't know whether, if they're going to be welcomed with open arms, given jobs, and or shot. So, uh, but they have a plan. Actually, Jeffrey Gittimer has a plan. So, uh, uh, that's it. Go ahead.
2: You mentioned, I'm sorry to uh, to interrupt, uh, the uh, Gittimer. You mentioned it. Now, is this his new bestseller or his old bestseller. bestseller?
1: The new bestseller.
2: Yeah. I, I was going to... The
1: Book of Sales, I think that's what it was.
2: i going to mention to Bruce, we need to update his uh, his open to his vignette to mention that he's a best-selling author, unless we've already done that. No, uh,
1: but he hasn't paid us yet.
2: So he hasn't? No, so well, he's I'm a little
1: bit behind.
2: glad our audience could join us for this production meeting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're doing that via... Via word of mouth now. We're telling everybody
2: about it. By that. word of mouth marketing. Yeah. Hey, uh, CBS Radio, uh, certainly you and I both know that it's the second largest operator of radio stations in the U.S. This is just in this past week. Has recently entered a seven-year agreement to purchase radio audience ratings for, uh, from Arbitron's portable people meter system. This comes in uh, really? in lieu of the Clear Channel Communications uh, uh, you know, holdout during their... RFP for a new rating system. The, the move was frankly a, a surprise because CBS, like many other top radio broadcasters, had been holding out during the deal uh, with Arbitron for the uh, PPM because Arbitron had been uh, seeking significant price increases over the uh, over its uh, current paper diary, uh, and I call it paper diary dated mm-hmm. uh, system. Uh, but according to executives Ray, familiar with the negotiations, the PPM cost as uh, cost are more than sixty percent higher than Arbitron's current ratings, uh, and the move suggests that CBS may have cut a better deal. But that was wow. a surprise announcement because you know CBS was a part of the uh, the board that they formed to review the various uh, requests for proposals that were coming from a variety of sources, and I sure. think it was down to only two or three. Uh, depending on if you want to believe that third one was not going to be a part of the deal, which was uh, uh, Media Mark Market uh, Media Mark Research MRI, mm-hmm. and they pulled out of the running, and so it was down to Media Audit uh, Audit and uh, Arbitron, and uh, you know, so with CBS deciding to uh, go ahead and go with the Arbitron system, that kind of you
1: know, oh, yeah,
2: shoves it in the face of Clear Channel number one, and yeah. kind of loses a little leverage on their deal with the. Uh, RFP and all that, but anyway. Well, personally, I don't think
1: I don't understand why they're not working just directly with the manufacturers of the radios and getting information immediately back uh, of where people are, where they're at, what they're listening, when they're tuning
2: out, when they're tuning in. You I mean, thought, build some technology yeah. into the radio itself. Well, shoot, how
1: hard can that possibly be? Yeah, it's we'll a good work on point. next right? week, There's well, no you reason a, you could have been
2: You could have been a part of the RFP. Uh, you, you go find that uh, technology. Uh, and I put it, it right together. Here,
1: actually, it's, uh, sitting in the wait a minute.
2: Reach over here. <laughs> there it is. Uh, and then when they do an RFP again when their renewal comes up uh, in six it. years, you'll be ready for <laughs> yeah, it.
1: <laughs> hopefully, I'll be rich by then too. That'd be great. <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's check in with uh, Patrick Meyer here on the advertising show.
4: Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring
7: Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about what to do if your CEO doesn't like your advertising and marketing. In the ivory tower, whether it's client or agency head, someone 50 plus who drives a Jag or a Mercedes hasn't been in a club in 20 years, and all of a sudden he doesn't like the advertising and the marketing, it's actually a good sign. That means that young people will scream with delight when they see what you've got coming. Let me give you an example. In Advertising Age, Rance Crane and Garfield talking about VW advertising, condemning it. I actually think that's probably a good sign. If you've seen the new GTI stuff, it's great stuff. It's strategically grounded in taking a VW advantage on German engineering versus Asian cars and bringing it to life in a compelling, intriguing, and fun way. It's geared for millennials to make them sit up, take notice, embrace it, and they are doing that. Consumers and focus groups love this stuff. Of course it's not right for 55 plus executive who's reviewing it here's what we've done over the years that works really well make sure you start with consumers and what do they want and film it then when you create new options new packaging new ideas take them to consumers and film it again so when you go forward to talk to your management and you share where you're going you show the video One time with one of the soft drink leaders, we had four urban teens in his conference room talking about why they love the advertising. It took that kind of move to get management to say, got it, let's go. So if you're marketing to millennials, don't be scared off by a CEO bad reaction. Anticipate it and get past that. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard
4: every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the
7: future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer. And remember, the marketing revolution is now.
1: Well, there certainly is one common thread here on today's show. It's called consumers and how to market to them. It's uh, it's interesting how that has all come together. I uh, agree with, uh, with uh,
2: what Patrick's saying. Don't well, you? Of course.
1: Oh, it's a great yeah. idea. What yeah. better way? And unless the, the 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 CEO is a real idiot and wants to have it his way, uh, which you know would lead to the downfall of his company eventually or her company. Uh, they would listen to something like that. Say, well, my God, these are the people who are buying my product. I, maybe I better start listening to them. And yeah. it's so true. I, and, you know, that's a, good, uh, that's a good philosophy and an application that you can apply to any product or any advertiser out there. If you're, if you're the guy on the corner with a, a deli shop and you decide to advertise, you better think the same lines or else you've basically thrown your money away.
2: Yeah. I don't know how many times you, buy, you and I both experienced this where a particular client may say, Uh, You know, you pick a medium and you're discussing a particular medium that you think may solve a problem and they say, well, I'm a big fan of blank, you know, whatever that medium (laughs) is. It's like, well, I don't frankly care whether you're a big fan or not i'm trying to talk about some solutions here but you know you can't talk to them that way but the point is is we we talked about Volkswagen and the outstanding uh sure. tv spots that they have on right now and the one in particular where they get uh, slammed into an accident and yeah. <laughs> and the guy uh, survives and they both come out unscathed and it has a, a safety uh, aspect to it and it's making people sit up and take notice and if rance crane and bob garfield don't like that spot as as patrick says uh, that's probably a good thing cuz that means you're resonating with the young crowd which is who that creative is is uh, slated <laughs> oh to uh, appeal to
3: yeah
1: okay yeah and and i think he was also talking about the uh, the younger not only the accident spots but the the uh, mr v dub guy yeah. uh, which is really really cool too for the uh, excuse me for the uh, for the younger crowd as well yeah speaking of cars and uh uh, these cars go real fast, NASCAR that is. Uh, UPS is a big winner uh, with uh, their, their the NASCAR themed serial ad campaign continuing to resonate both general consumers and business customers. Uh, they have a race the truck spots from the Martin agency out of Richmond huh. uh, scored better than average in uh, USA Today's ad track poll, and the delivery service now counts almost uh, all of a 1,000 businesses affiliated with NASCAR as customers. That's a 40% increase since it launched five years ago. That's good stuff, too. We have more on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and we'll be back with uh, David Sable here and more conversation with David out of New York in just a moment.
0: Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
6: You're at the top secret high Karate training school. These trainees are learning how
1: to defend themselves in case they get a high karate you know, gift. <laughs> there goes the high karate. <laughs> that was also a good fragrance. play though I'm not yeah. so sure about. It. Yeah, right. Our special guest here on the advertising show, David Sable, Vice Chairman, Chief Operating Officer, Wonderman, And uh, out of New York this weekend, we're glad to have David here. You know, uh, Brad, uh, Wonderman is also participating, along with the, uh, Young and Rubicam, in a baby-first TV, a new 24-hour channel for the 6- six- to 36-month-old set. Right. Unbelievable, right? Okay. <laughs> could it's you been see, on could the you, news. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. been on the news a lot lately. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, could, can't you just see a thirty-six-month-old with a remote in their hand? I oh, do give yeah. me a beer.
6: <laughs> oh. Change the channel, Dad. Give uh, me the damn uh, remote. Yeah. Anyway, I, think, uh, I, think, I think it's in kids' DNA today, actually.
1: Yeah. Uh, what the remote? It comes re- preattached.
6: I think, like, I think they're born with it. it oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Hey, welcome back to the show, David. Thanks.
2: Yeah, as promised last hour, we're going to jump into a little more uh, depth of, uh, of content here with David. And uh, it's just a, a pleasure to to speak with and honored to have David as our guest today. Uh, a lot's been talked about redefining creativity, David. Uh, you know, a lot have been asking the question, is content uh, its new definition? And, you know, we leave it to the writers and pundits to, you know, delve into that. And everybody seems to have an opinion. Weigh in on, on this subject, if you would, David.
6: Okay, sure. I think, I think first of all, we went through a wasteland of uh during that whole dot-com boom and bust of creative it was just terrible right dribbles being shot out of cannons (laughs) puppets running i mean just absolute nonsense things that 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 in the that amazed me because people in the industry 20 years ago would never have allowed such work to get on on the air or be printed or or be on the web or any place and i think that what's happened in the past couple of years we've gone back to basics in a lot of categories people are, are communicating they're informing they're educating they're entertaining in their advertising whether it be print web-based video or whatever it makes no difference I think that content is critical today because of the notion because of the web because I can get more information than I ever could before I have to be able to communicate with I have to tell you what my product is about there's way more clutter out there there are way more products There are way more services if I don't tell you what I do I've lost a unique opportunity now one of the interesting things I did some study and I found that actually one of the most successful ads in the 1890s was a four-line little piece placed in the London Times for the Shackleton expedition to the North Pole. Hmm. And it got hundreds and hundreds of responses back there because it talked about, come have a what you know, be bold, go where no man has gone before kind of thing. And it talked <laughs> to people. And I thought about it when I saw some, some article recently about Google and there are a couple of lines of blue, and I said it's exactly the same thing. And you think back to David Ogilvy, who believed you write a lot of copy and you make it interesting and informative, people will read it. So it's nothing new. I think what we're getting back to is the notion that content is critical.
2: Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I want to circle back to something you said about uh, uh, the dot-com craze and, and blowout and all of that, and certainly we are getting back to basics now. My My take has always been that the crazy marketing and, and and creative strategy that you were seeing and we were all seeing back during 2000, 2001, was really basically VC-driven, and it's a great example of uh, how people that are not uh, professionals stick their nose in what we do for a living and, and drive creative strategy, and I think, it, you know, what's your take on that, Dave?
6: Oh, absolutely, because think about what happened. All of a sudden, eyeballs became the return on investment. Mm-hmm. I mean, here we are measuring ourselves and how many credit cards do we sell? How many Ford cars are we able to help Ford move? All of a sudden, you had these VCs come along and say, okay, it's eyeballs. How many people, how many eyeballs do you have? Now, the truth is, that was the only way that they could think of to monetize their investments because in those days, their investments weren't worth all that much. So they came up with this notion of eyeballs. So what people did was the most outrageous things they could think of to get, quote unquote, eyeballs watching them. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. I mean, I think, I think it really, I think there was a period there it could have tanked the industry. The work was just getting worse and worse and worse, and people were paying less and less attention.
2: You know, some have suggested, since we're talking about it, that back in uh, Super Bowl 01 that the spots were so crazy that that had a reaction to Wall Street and some questioning about what what people were investing in, and it was kind of a wake-up call, I think, for America when they saw all that stuff.
6: I think it was a wake-up call for America. I'm not sure it was a wake-up call for Wall Street. I think, yeah, Wall well, Street is still, I think Wall Street's still it's spinning true. around.
3: Yeah. yeah. Right. I yeah, think you're, you're, they don't
6: get it. I think they, they don't have a clue. But do, do you realize that the Internet analysts are still following Amazon? Huh. Amazon's a retail business. It's a retail business like any other retail business, and yet Wall Street still has Internet analysts following it as if it's some kind of technology.
2: Maybe. That's crazy. You know, well, all I can say is at least investments are going towards companies that, uh, if they're internet-based are hopefully profitable and, and not, uh, investing in blue sky and that, uh, uh, well, that, that, uh, they've decided that maybe, uh, less IPO activity, for example, I think is another favorable thing happening today. But let's, uh, let's talk again about, uh, Uh, technology and the consumer. But before we do that, I would think that uh, a thought came to me while I was hearing you talk uh, earlier there about Ford and accountability and so forth. And with so much talk about accountability and ROI, I've got to think this is a good thing for a company like Wonderman.
6: Oh, absolutely. I I think it's one of the things that's been propelling us the past few years and has been leading to our success. Because if I can build your brand, give you a return on investment, literally dollar for dollar, customer by customer... And do it more efficiently. In other words, let you use your money in bigger and better ways. Why wouldn't you want me to do that for you? Right. And I think clients are beginning to understand that that's possible. It doesn't work in every category because there's certain categories where you still need to have bigger, broader communication. Absolutely. And by the way, I don't think that that advertising per se will ever die. And I think it's kind of like Mark Twain. The uh, you know my death has been exaggerated. The, the reports of my death have been exaggerated. Right. You know, I think we'll always have that, and I hope we always do because I love advertising. And what we do is advertising, by I mean, that's 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 what our business is. That's the business I was brought up in. It's the business I love. But I you think know, that the, the ability to give ROI has changed the has changed the business.
2: No doubt, and I and you know, it's unfortunate because I think in some cases, David, the shift has gone the other way. And I'm glad to hear a person like yourself from Wonderman and relationship marketing expert as you are, to say that there's still a place for. Uh, Uh, advertising and marketing that can't come so much under the scrutiny of accountability, yet some advertisers and some marketers out there I see shifting totally uh, the other way and looking for everything to be accountable. Are you finding this to be the case?
6: Well, I think, you know, it's funny. I I was brought up in the business. I started my career at Young and Rubicam. And I have to tell you, back in 1976, I think we thought we were accountable. Hmm. We We did all kinds of analyses for our clients. Right. Right, we did we did analyses of their warehouse shipments. We did analyses of sales. Anybody that ever worked on Proctor when I got into the business, if you didn't work on Procter, you never got any place. And <laughs> you know, I, I had the luck to be able to work on Procter. We, you, you went down to the bar of soap level. How many bars of soap did you move? Wow. So I think I think that's always been it's always been a notion. And then branding became or branding metrics got more became more intelligent, right, and got deeper. So we started looking at branding measurements and awareness measurements. I think there's always been this notion of accountability. Right. I think the difference is that in certain categories, you can be even more accountable.
1: So we're the, take, the, David, we've got to take a break once again. Sorry to interrupt you, but uh, we've got a lot more to say and uh, another segment to, uh, to catch up on what David has to say as well. David Sable is Vice Chairman, Chief Operating Officer at Wonderman out of New York with Ray Shillings. And Brad Forsyth, we're here on The Advertising Show at TheAdvertisingShow.com.
4: Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city Business Journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey.
8: Let me give you the most powerful customer service lesson in the world. And it doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with your customers. Let's assume that the lesson is entitled, Service Leads to Sale. Now, I'm on a plane 200 times a year. How many times I get asked, how many times I get asked, how was your flight? All the time. Well, that's part of this lesson. The same type of question will be asked to customers who deal with you after your product or your service has been delivered or provided. The question will create dialogue. The type of dialogue that it creates is entirely up to you. Because the story will be retold to fellow workers, business associates, family members, and or friends about their experiences with you. Customers don't make up stories about your business. It's you who creates them. If the experience was good, the customer may not be proactively prone to say something. But if the experience was bad, you can bet your last dollar they're going to bring up the story in the first five minutes of a conversation, depending on the severity of the displeasure Sometimes in the first five seconds. Here's the rule. It's said that 80% of American business is done by word-of-mouth advertising. What's the word out on you? After the transaction is over, the customer is going to say one of three things. Something good, nothing, or something bad. And the cool part is about that, you choose exactly what it is.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
3: Never borrow money needlessly, just when you must borrow them when loans are a specialty from
1: folks. Yes, borrowing money. An American pastime, yeah. Do it. I just love
6: singing that song.
1: Did you really? You just stopped singing. Is that what you
6: said? No, I started singing. I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have stopped singing. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I don't know. After this show, I might have to
1: uh, go out and get the record. Yeah, you'll yeah find get a Tower Records. <laughs> David Sable for one more segment on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. David is vice chairman, chief operating officer at Wonderman out of New York, and it's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome back.
6: Thanks.
2: Yeah, just to wrap it up on on accountability and, and ROI. I guess the difference that I was making, or the point I was hoping to make, was that. Uh, maybe not the word accountability, but with ROI being such a, a an important point of today's uh, uh, C-level executives uh, back to, you know, catering to Wall Street and earnings and so forth, sometimes ROI gets so focused and so hyper-intensive uh, attention that it ends up, uh, I guess, maybe keeping a, a less uh, brand uh, branding activity going on out there because sometimes the analysis of branding uh, is a little, uh, I don't know, a little difficult, do you think, David?
6: You know, I think that we would argue that you can do it all, yeah. and that if you and one, you should never sacrifice one for the other. If you can, if, again, if if you can build your brand and sell the credit card at the same time, and use hmm. the sale of the credit card to build the brand, that's what you should be doing.
3: That's you the be idea. Building
6: the brand and then going and trying to sell a credit card as if it had nothing to do with the brand, which, by the way, is what was going on, you know, twenty years ago.
2: Yeah, and that's certainly the ideal way to not not put uh, put it all in one area or another. I'm curious, uh, David, do, do American agencies take a different approach to advertising for their clients than uh, European agencies?
6: I think in the past they have. Um, I think that there's been way more focus in the U.S. on ROI. I think that we've we, we have been way ahead of the Europeans in terms of the notion of relationship marketing and what it can do. I think the Europeans tend to go out more on a limb. You know, anybody who's been to Cannes and, and has looked at the, at the great work that's shown there, um, the Europeans tend to be more um sort of animal limb creatively i think that they they tend to go for the more perceptual i think though that over the past couple of years we've seen again as we've seen in the u.s a shift Uh, the wonderman business is very very strong in europe and growing and we're finding more and more traditional clients who are coming to us and asking us to do for them what we've done for clients in the u.s and elsewhere
2: Well, that's interesting. I, sometimes you hear cutting-edge things happening in Europe and so forth and hear the opposite, I guess, is playing to your benefit. You know, you're often written and quoted about uh, in the trades, and uh, recently you were quoted as saying the notion that technology has changed the rules and foundations of the so-called B2B landscape is wrong. Explain what you mean by this, David.
6: I think the technology has only helped us to become more efficient. I think the rules stay the same. I, you know, it's interesting. I, if, if you look at, at just um, any any set of marketing issues, right, marketing is marketing is marketing. I still have to be able to convince you. I still have to be able to reach you. I still have to be relevant to you. I still have to differentiate my product. Technology can help me target you better. It can help me give you way more ways to talk to me and to, for me to talk back to you. But it doesn't make the... It, Inherently, there's nothing in the technology that makes that connection any better. It just makes it more efficient. And I think one of the that we've had in the market is that people have believed that technology was the be-all and end-all. So we believe that technology has to be marketing-enabled. Technology in and of itself doesn't do anything. Our phrase is marketing-enabled technology. So if it's if it's technology that allows me to do something more efficiently, that's great. But if it doesn't come from the basic marketing place, if it doesn't understand you as a customer, if it doesn't understand what motivates you, what what makes you get up in the morning, what makes you buy, what makes you get to the store, then there's not a lot the technology can do. Well, it's
2: do pretty you, do clear. You think the, if
6: that was the case, the, the, we we'd have no other business today other than on the web. We know that that's not true.
2: couldn't agree with you more. Do you feel marketers uh, in your area of uh, specialization today tend to rely a little bit too much maybe on technology and data? I think
6: they because that's what Wall Street was pushing them to and they thought that that was where they needed to go and I think what you're seeing and interestingly enough I think you know it's one of the reasons that it it can now the, the direct awards is so interesting because I think that all of a sudden people began to realize that in this market you have to be as creative as you are doing anything else in the advertising business because it is about people and it is about connections and people who think that it's about CRM customers really manage Customers, customer relationship management, miss the notion of customers really manage. And that's what we believe. We believe customers, what, what technology has helped today is it's given customers more power. So unless you understand that the customer is really in control and help the customer be in control, then you don't get any place. And we think that are, that's really the key.
2: Yeah, what, what do we have, Ray? About Just a minute a left? There, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. About a minute left. Any uh, any parting thoughts? I know you had a, a great uh, win a while back with the uh, Microsoft business, and uh, congratulations on that. That was back in '04. Yep. Anything uh, in the offing for uh, your new your new role as uh, COO with Wonderman?
6: Well, spending a lot of time out in Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. Microsoft's a great piece of business. Again, you know the notion that all relationships are local. Microsoft in every country, as we have to connect with the with the users and the buyers and the software developers in, in all those countries. But it's helping us along with Ford and Citibank to create global platforms upon which we can build local businesses, which we think is is very critical. I think you're going to see more of that. So global perception, very, very local marketing, and then platforms that literally stretch across the world upon which we can build down from the perception right into the consumer's home you country. know when you
2: say, when you say think global and market local I guess that gives your wife a reason to why you traveling so much That's
6: right it's the, it's the <laughs> locality of my life so <laughs> locality, hopefully not everyone has that. to sleep on planes as much as I do but I'll tell you when, when, when you get to these countries and you get off the plane and you see the work that's being done it's just wonderful. And you probably
1: got some good seats on airplanes as well, David. Thanks for being with us here on the Advertising Show. David Sable, Vice Chairman, Chief
6: Operating Officer at Wunderbush. Thank you, Brad. Brad, It's great being here. Thank Thank you very much.
1: Back in just a minute with more, with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe.
3: Hi, I'm Joe, and this is Tommy, and we love... Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. Great! All right, one more. Come on, come on. Great! Good, good. We, uh, great
1: to uh, great redo fall. of an ad for uh, Kellogg's and Frosted Flakes with the Tony the Tiger guy who yeah. finally passed away, sadly. He uh, did. Yeah, he did. Uh, David Sable was great today. I wish we could have had David uh, on for uh, for more segments. But uh, seriously, go to uh, Wonderman. That's with a U, by the way. W-U-N-D-E-R-M-A-N. It's uh, Lester Wonderman's company. And uh, wonderman. dot com is the place to go. But uh, uh, good job, David, and uh, way to go. No wonder yeah. the man is so successful.
2: And John, you know, when, go when ahead. you and I get into our upper eighties, hopefully we're not still going into the office like Lester is.
3: Lester's going in the office. Again.
2: <laughs> probably, <laughs> Lester, he's probably Lester, all Lester all sounds
1: younger than we do, basically. You know? Well, and
2: he's traveling all over the world. I didn't have the heart to ask uh, David if he's on the. Private jet, or if he's flying commercial,
1: one would think that Lester's on a private jet. Okay? I would think, I don't think so. John uh, Winsell, uh, the director of online media strategy, the ID Society, uh, is our guest uh, next week on the advertising show, and uh, we look forward to having John on the show as well. So that'll be yeah. great. Still to come this hour: Andy Borowitz and Confused Immigrants. Here's a survey. This is out of Ad Age. It's. Um, says, TV as a pastime lags behind the Internet, internet friends, and movies. Well, I'm surprised about the movies thing. But TV viewing ranked fourth behind uh, surfing the Internet, hanging out with friends, and watching movies as a favorite activity, according to a new online poll of 12- to 34-year-olds conducted by yeah. Bolt Media. 400 Bolt Media website members also found that only one in four respondents could name all four major broadcast networks. Are you kidding? Yeah.
2: I saw that. Wow. Can you believe that? And then there's wow. a certain percentage that couldn't name any. I can't, I don't remember Holy exactly cow. what that was, but yeah.
1: yeah but, well, let's see. There's uh, E and uh, FX and... Uh, MTV. <laughs> well, that's three. There we yeah. go. Isn't that yeah. funny? But that the, funny. The, But the demographic of 12 to 34-year-olds? Wow. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I really am not surprised. And uh, a lot of things are... Causing the uh, the network television to get a little bit smarter, a little bit better, and that's okay. There's nothing
2: wrong with well, that. Well, a lot of choices for all of us, and especially those that grow up with choices as as the teen through 34. Or, sure. Or, yeah. Did it say teen or adolescent through 34?
1: No, it said uh, 12 to 34. 12 12 to 34. Is that what it was? Let me double check on that. Yeah, 12 to 34.
2: Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, former President Clinton uh, agreed to write a book recently, Ray. I don't know if you heard about this. No. Uh, The book, which is not yet titled, uh, could be published as early as 07, Clinton's memoir, my life, published by Knopf as well in o four hmm. uh, sold an estimated two point two million hard copies. The advance for that particular book was reported in the range of ten to twelve million, and supposedly for this book, uh, he will be receiving much less for this particular title. How the book much? will it doesn 't say uh, but the book will likely contain chapters that detail how readers can personally become involved with specific causes. Like Monica Lewinsky, no, uh, <laughs> he's over, you know. Over her. Well, it's 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 interesting that you know this guy. You know, Bill's writing another book, and it's supposed to be about how uh, how you can become involved in citizen activism, okay. like Bill has become with his President Clinton's Foundation, as well as other public yeah. service things that he's worked on. Which is good that he and George W. Senior uh, are getting along. They're
1: apparently quite good friends, by the way.
2: I said J- George W. It's George H. I guess. Yeah, H- but, George H.
1: Uh, yeah. W. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But apparently, uh, Bill uh, Bill uh, frequents uh, the Post Oak residents in uh, Houston a lot. And, he does. Uh, yeah, he does. And apparently, they are uh, good friends and drinking they, buddies. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, Barbara keeps them in line. Both
2: of them. Well. You know, I wouldn't want to mess with Barbara. No, <laughs> she will pop you upside
1: of the head. When she's not at the baseball games, Barbara, if you watch uh, television globally, if you ever watch the Astros play uh, any of the teams, you will always, for the most part, 99.9% of the time, see her sitting behind home plate. Is that right? That's Barbara's place.
2: You um, know, we, we've we talked about the uh, two-man bobsled yeah. and, and how silly that looks what i think also looks silly is when you decide to do skydiving and they hook you to that other guy
1: yeah, for me i'm, I mean, go, I'm going that yeah,
2: way <laughs> i mean you know come on if you're going to do that hook yourself to a female or something
1: oh that okay get a female instructor okay well, i see I
2: yeah, in case you land funny or something <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be a good, good one for the water cooler the next day. Yeah. You're never going to believe what happened to me. All right. Uh, but if and I, she's pregnant. And if I'm going out of an airplane, I don't care whether it's a guy or a girl there going with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that by myself. All right. I can fly an airplane, but I'm not jumping out of one.
2: Well, could you when, imagine you f- you freeze when you're supposed to pull that because you get so nervous? You can't pull your ripcord. <laughs> well. You freeze up. At that time, you should be praying. Yes.
1: Good thing. On the Advertising Show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. We have uh, more coming up here in just a minute. Uh, Andy Borowitz's bit as well. And we'll tell you more about our guest for next week, uh, too, on the Advertising Show. With Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We hope you'll stay right here.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. My dog's
3: better than your dog. My dog's better than yours. My dog's better because he gets kennel ration. My dog's better than yours. And I don't care what
1: dog commercial there there is. They're all cute. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, this past week, did you see um, there was somebody uh, that they featured on CNN and all of the other networks as a lady who can show you how to teach your dog how to read? And I did see a little of that. She I was serious. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, what they what they're suggesting is they have things like speak, sit. Um, what else did they have? I forget a couple more. But what they suggest is the dogs do recognize those things as shapes. Huh. Specific shapes, and they understand what they are. Matter of fact, the lady turned one of the cards upside down, and the dog couldn't figure it out. Really? So Yeah, and they were doing it. There was, oh, Kiss. They, they, they had a, one that said Kiss, and this big old, uh, uh, I guess, a lab uh, was just all over this thing. It was pretty cool. Wow. Really neat. So you could, the lady says you can teach your dog to read in uh, just a very
2: short amount of time, like hours. What? I wonder if the uh, dog is raised by a Hispanic family. It would be Spanish that they'd have to read. They would recognize that, yeah. You think? Sure, they would. Absolutely. Wow. I think that's. I think that's really cool, though. I'd love to try it. Don't yeah. know what
1: dog. Don't know what dog to start on. How do you say "bad dog"?
2: <laughs> well, I <laughs> usually say it with a cuss word or two involved. That,
1: oh yeah, exactly. You mean yeah. Yeah. After, after they've eaten the, the back door again, right? Something like well,
2: that. Uh, well, we've, we've worked through that. Okay.
1: But having dogs is good for crime prevention, and uh, yes. <laughs> but are uh, we getting? And speaking of crime prevention, here's Andy Borowitz. Okay.
4: Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for the Advertising Show, and now here's this week's feature from the Borowitz
1: Report. As President George W. Bush's policy on immigration has become increasingly confusing in recent weeks. A growing number of potential illegal aliens have given up trying to figure out how and why, and they decided to stay at home instead. The confusion over the president's immigration policy has been at the top of the agenda of the annual meeting of Future Illegal Aliens of America, which is gathering in Juarez, Mexico, this past week. The organization, which offers travel tips, restaurant suggestions, and other information for those planning to sneak across the border spent the better part of this past Tuesday and Wednesday trying to decipher the president's immigration policy, but with no success. We do not know whether we'll be granted guest worker status or shot on sight by the National Guard, said a spokesperson who until recently had been considering sneaking across the U.S.-Mexico border. Just trying to figure out the whole thing makes my head hurt, he says. He said that he had been planning to sneak into the U.S. in order to get prescription drug benefits, but added the president's prescription drug plan is almost as confusing as his immigration policy. And at the White House, the president has added that the response from potential illegal aliens was proof that my policy of intentional confusion is working. By changing my policy on an almost daily basis, I have succeeded in stemming the flow of illegal aliens, Mr. Bush said. It's only a matter of time before the same thing works in Iraq. Elsewhere, in an effort to increase his nation's birth rate, Russian President Vladimir Putin offered a citizenship to Britney Spears and husband Kevin Federline. This is
4: Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of The Borowitz Report from The Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying... Keep it fake, baby.
1: And I wonder if uh, Russia has the uh, the seatbelt laws because you know she could drive around with her baby just out there. You know, uh. that's true. I like I like that guy's name Vladimir Putin. Putin.
2: <laughs> Putin. He's the president, and he has been for a while, and he's n- not done well for those people out there with regard to personal uh, pri- uh, rights. You know, private, oh, yeah. personal rights. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's not gone as well. And the United States has called him on, as I recall. Yeah. So that's that's good.
2: Hey, you know, he was talking about the uh, immigration and all that. We, We've You know, living in Texas, you get to go over to Mexico, border towns and so forth. And I remember right. many years ago, uh, just as kind of a joke, I decided to... Uh, it was uh, Matamoros, which joke. is...
1: You don't joke at the border. <laughs> well,
2: you know, it was in looser times. Okay. And uh, yeah. Matamoros, which goes over from Brownsville there, which if you're out right. South Padre Island, you'll know, party and whatever. So... Decided uh, to see what would happen if you. uh, The uh, Rio Grande was uh, fairly low at that time, and you looked down the bridge there. And I thought it might really throw them off if somebody like me from America tried to sneak into Mexico just to see what they would do.
1: And you did that.
2: Well, and there were several other people coming the other direction. Oh, and they tried to turn me around. (laughs) No. Come with me. You're going the wrong way, Senor. No, actually, yeah. It kind of makes you wonder. They probably hurry you on in, wouldn't they? You would think so. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. Come on in. Yeah,
3: you know,
2: but you you do see people uh, back then, twenty some odd years ago. I God I remembered seeing grid. people, yeah, walking underneath yeah. the bridge and going yeah. under there. But wow. you know, that wow. was before they had much uh, much concern about that. I suppose
1: now they have a cruise ship down there, and everybody gets the flu and they go back home. Bird yeah. flu. Yeah, bird flu. No, that's
2: bad. We don't want that.
1: They're saying no. that's going to be huge if that hits, and we don't want that to happen.
2: Well, that's what they say. Yeah. I got my shot the other day. Did you really?
1: Your no, bird not flu really.
2: Shot? I bought a parakeet and
1: tequila. <laughs> <Just a laughs> shot of tequila. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, that's funny. Hey, uh, 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 this is interesting. Who spends eighteen billion, or who spent, who has a combined purchasing power of eighteen billion dollars last year? And you might um, say, "Well, go ahead, de- Bill Gates." No, this is a combined purchasing power. It's a group of people. Oh, uh, okay. It's and you might say, well, it's those people over sixty-five. Actually, no. Oh, I see. It's uh, um, kid, teenagers, kids, kids aged three to five, yeah. six to eight, and nine to eleven in the U.S. An estimated thirty-six million, a combined purchasing power of eighteen billion last year. Of wow. course, you know, mommy and daddy uh, had the money, uh, right? I would assume. I can't see a three-year-old you know, you, you know living out their Visa card. Right. right, thirty or eighteen billion
2: bucks. Holy that phenomenal. money wasn't rolling around when you and I were that age, no. And things were cheaper back then, weren't they? Brad? Right, but a penny cent, uh, one penny bubble gum was a penny bubble gum.
1: That's right. And love those pretzels for a nickel or whatever they cost. Uh, yeah, pretzel stuff. Yes, we're reminiscing, isn't that? <laughs> John Winsel, director of online media strategy, ID Society. That sounds uh interesting to say the least and we'll it's have him on the company. show and find it yeah. good. We'll have him on the show next to uh, next uh, weekend here. Hope you can be with us too. Visit the uh throughout the week and you'll find a whole bunch of great stuff up there including a lot of archive shows and information about advertising and marketing intelligence for your business and uh, or just for you if that's okay. So, I hope to see you next week. The advertising show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. The
3: advertising show is a big radio midgets Production.